Welcome to Let the Boys Kiss, the creation of queer ships, where we ask the question, is it queer baiting, queer coding, or queer canon? This week, we'll be discussing Oswald and Ed from Gotham. I'm Maddie. And I'm Kelsey. This is an unexpected one for us. When we started planning the pod, it was nowhere in our minds. It was not. This was not a ship we were aware of. I, unlike last week, or last time, rather. <laughs> you're doing it now. Had heard of the show Gotham. Yep. But I was not aware there was any shipping activity around. Although, I suppose at some level you have to assume there's shipping activity around all things. This specific type of shipping? No idea. No idea this was happening. It is probably worth saying that this is our first listener request. Thank you. Indeed. I'm so happy about it because I would never have known. So we should say, who are these people? Oswald and Ed are Oswald Cobblepot, who is the Penguin, and Edward Nigma, who is the Riddler. And I assume people know, but in case they don't, this takes place in the Batman universe yes. of Gotham. Their ship name, which is honestly half the reason why I was interested in this in the first place, is Nigmobblepot. Great ship name. Occasionally also called Riddlebird. Not as good. But potentially less difficult to say. Sure. So what we're looking at is just the Fox television series Gotham, even though Penguin and Riddler are to be found in all kinds of Batman things. And yes. We started out intending just to watch season three, because when we did our research, we found that that's where the events in question had occurred. And so I started watching season three, and then I finished season three and thought, Heck, why not watch season four? And <laughs> before I knew it, I had watched the entire series. I circled back around to the beginning. So I've seen all of Gotham. What have you seen? I watched season three as well. And initially, my intention was just to watch season three. But I did find I had a little bit more time. And I think especially after our last episode where right, we don't know where those characters end up, I was like, oh, well, I can see where these characters end up. And that's probably important information. So I also watched the last two episodes of season four to lead into season five. And I watched all of season five. So a fair bit of the show, but not the whole thing. So right. I will fill in where I need to fill in. But you've seen most of the relevant stuff. So I guess we should talk about why people ship them in our usual manner. And I guess that starts with not them, but with a different ship from this show called Gobblepot. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I mean, Oswald's last name being Cobblepot just makes all of his ship names so good. But that is Oswald and Jim Gordon, who people probably recognize as Commissioner Gordon from the Batman stories. Uh, but this is him as a detective in the show. And in the early seasons, that seemed to be, I guess, the main queer ship that people were interested in on the show because they're adversaries, but they're working together sometimes and they have some chemistry. But then when the events we will go on to talk about of season three happened, <laughs> the shipping energy of the fandom, I guess, mostly migrated over to Nick Mobblepot. They meet once in season one, but just because... Oswald's already a criminal. Ed works for the police at this point, and he's interested in Oswald because he's heard of him. And so he comes into the police station, and he kind of like, Ed follows him around the police station in a creepy Ed way, and that's, the, <laughs> that's their first interaction. And then in season two, there's a little more bonding for the two of them because Ed ends up 
rescuing Oswald when he's in a dire situation and nursing him back to health in his apartment. And the reason he's done this is Ed starting his journey into crime and views Oswald as someone who can be his mentor. And so he wants him to like teach him about murdering (laughs) that sort of thing because you know these are villains everybody and so yeah they're sharing an apartment for a bit and they're singing songs and ed plays piano and they sing songs together it's like pretty sweet but it's only a couple of episodes of them getting to know each other and then they part ways and have their own plot so then what happens when we pick up in season three so in season three Oswald becomes the mayor, and as part of being the mayor, he needs a chief of staff, so he decides to break Ed out from Arkham Asylum. He's campaigning, I think, when he breaks him out. He needs someone to help him with his campaign. And Ed is in Arkham Asylum, so Mm -hmm. he threatens the, the warden of the asylum and gets Ed out. And so they're working together on the campaign. Oswald successfully elected mayor, and Really, the, the main thing, really, that happens in the show, the turning point, is season three, episode five, where Oswald decides he's going to confess his love to Ed. He's going to tell Ed he's in love. And it's a very sort of classic, I need to confess my love, where he's going to do it, but then he, he gets shy. He chickens out, yeah. And then he plans this nice dinner. He's like, this will be how I confess to Ed. I'll plan this really nice dinner, and we'll eat, and then I'll, I'll be able to tell him I'm in love. And Ed says he's going to bring a nice bottle of wine to their dinner at the wine shop ed meets a woman who looks like the woman he killed in season two who was the reason he was in arkham asylum and immediately falls in love with her he misses his dinner with oswald he spends the the night with her and when he comes back the next morning he tells oswald i met someone i'm in love and it breaks poor oswald's heart it's bad timing (laughs) it's very bad timing so oswald is uh, understandably kind of wrecked because of this news and so you know he's struggling with how to deal with this he tries to warn her off by telling her that ed was in arkham and had murdered someone which you'd think would be enough to warn someone off of a relationship but that doesn't work then ed starts to get worried that he shouldn't be in this relationship because he thinks he's gonna hurt her like he did with the woman that he killed in the earlier season. And so Oswald tries to encourage the breakup. But again, she's like, I'm in this for the long haul or whatever. (laughs) I don't know why she's so dead set on being with Ed. But Oswald decides the only thing to do is to murder her. So he orchestrates having her break lines cut and she dies and Ed is devastated. And Oswald's like, he'll get over it. It's no big deal, right? He's just waiting for the storm clouds to pass. Yeah, but Ed figures out that Oswald killed her Mm. and decides he has to take revenge. So their relationship kind of falls apart. Yeah, definitely sours at that point. Yeah. And so he goes through this whole process. But once he captures Oswald, he reveals that really his... His goal is to show Oswald that Oswald is incapable of love. And shocker of all shockers, Oswald learns that he is not incapable of love. He knows at this point that Ed has been trying to kill him and he still is willing to sacrifice his own life to save Ed. And he is overjoyed to learn (laughs) that he is capable of love and Ed doesn't really give a shit and shoots him anyway. So that's that's pretty tragic. It's a pretty uh, tragic situation for I mean, Oswald. Unrequited love is a real bummer. <laughs> Absolute bummer. And of course, thinks Oswald is dead, and he he sort of spins out about it. Yeah. Well, he has made Oswald such a huge part of his 
own persona because he is his mentor and he's the one helping him figure out how to be the the murderer criminal version of Ed. And so he needs someone to guide him. He finds himself taking these drugs so that he can hallucinate Oswald, who sings Amy Winehouse's Wake Up Alone to him in one of his hallucinations. Fascinating side note. And he goes on this quest to find a new mentor. And then it finally becomes clear that Oswald has lived. He gets rescued by Poison Ivy and she nurses him back to health. And then for the rest of the season, the two of them are not so secretly trying to murder each other. Yes. (laughs) Because... You know, it's the only thing to do. Even though Oswald loves Ed, you still got to kill a guy who tried to kill you, you know. Those sure. Are rules. And that season ends with him, Oswald, getting Mr. Freeze to freeze Ed. And he sort of, Han Solo and Carbonite puts him in his, his club to... Yeah, he makes a whole club design around Ed in a in a block of ice just to humiliate him. Okay, now walk me through what happens in season four because I didn't really watch it. Yeah, so in season four, it starts, obviously, Ed is in the block of ice. Oswald spends a lot of time talking to Ed, even though Ed can't talk back. But eventually, this weird, groupy, obsessive woman who's a big fan of Ed breaks him out and de-freezes him. And then Ed has these side effects. He's not as smart as normal. He basically limps off to the Narrows, which is this part of the town, and has his own plot for most of that season. He, he gets close with Lee, who's this woman that used to be Jim Gordon's We can't get into Lee. Person. It's a whole thing. But he has this romance, basically, with Lee, where you're pretty sure Lee's using him, but he's falling in love with her. And he's pushing down the Riddler persona of himself and trying to just be Ed. And so Oswald, in his path of that season ends up imprisoned and he realizes his only ally might be the Riddler. So he sends these coded messages to Ed to get him to come to the prison. And he he had previously refused to say the name Riddler because he just found it ridiculous. <laughs> and so uh, to call the Riddler forth from Ed, he calls him by his name. Riddler emerges, helps break him out. And well, I think it's worth saying, right? It wasn't that he just felt it was ridiculous. It was that Ed asked Oswald to call him Riddler after he killed him. So it was also out of, like, spite. Sure, sure. He was not going to give him what he wanted because they were enemies at that point. But at the end of the season, Ed and Lee's romance comes to its inevitable conclusion. They both stab each other and the two of them die. And Oswald pays Hugo Strange, who, by the way, is the root of all evil in Gotham. But he pays Hugo to bring them both back to life. Right. So then where do we find ourselves in season five? Because it's a wild time. Season five is bonkers. Just generally. The Joker character has blown up all of the bridges that connect Gotham to the mainland. And the, the national government has just decided to not do anything about it. They just yeah, are like, Gotham's we're abandoning Gotham. criminals. So we're just going to let you guys burn, basically. Yeah, they, they, they were evacuating people anyway when the bridges got blown up. And so, yeah, they're just like, everyone who's left, you're on your own. Yeah. So, Bye. of course, like Jim and the 12 cops that are left on the island are there trying to bring some sense of order to things and not succeeding. But Ed and Oswald are together and their whole plot over season five is that they're building a submarine to get off of the island. They're allies again and finding themselves in sort of close quarters because Ed's back with the, well, 
There's a second of season five where Ed is actually this sleeper agent guy who the That's government true. has implanted a thing in his brain and he's doing stuff outside of his own power. But once he escapes from that situation, then he and Oswald are allied. They're building a submarine. They're living together again. And it's a sweet little escape thing that they're plotting together. And there's a scene where this guy who's used to be Oswald's accountant, who's been unaccounted for for the I don't know a season or two. Uh, no, he, he he's he was there in season five. They all went to refuge with Jim Gordon, and then the building got blown up, and he got shot. Oh, right, 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 right. So he's only been missing for a couple episodes. But this, so this is a little bit of dialogue from season five, episode eight, that I thought really and kind of encapsulated where the Oswald Ed relationship ends up mm-hmm. emotionally for both of them. So I, I wanted to pull it out of that episode. But they're saying it, yeah, as a Penn, who is the villain, the ventriloquist, who I love from the animated series. Uh, and I was sad it only got this small bit in Gotham. Is yeah. holding them hostage. Oswald says to the ventriloquist, but he's really talking to Ed. He says, and yes, I was not a good friend to you or to anyone. It's why I'm alone. But I saw you for what you are and I value that. That must be worth something. And then Ed mm-hmm. does shoot Penn. Ed shoots Penn and then says, Oswald, I accept you for the person that you are, just as you accept me for the cold logician that I am. That's why this friendship is great. And then Oswald says, perhaps, Edward, we really are meant for each other. And then, and they, then laugh. they sort of maniacally laugh together. <laughs> they're, uh, they're bonded. But I think that's so central, really, to, I guess, right where they end up in the relationship. Again, it also reminded me a little bit of Hannibal, and it makes sense, right? Because they're both stories about villains, really. Villains in love. Villains in love, where they're like, you see me for who I really am, which is a murderer, and you yeah. still accept me. And you me. like that about me. I don't That's have to try to change like. for you, you know? And there's the element, too, of which is also present in Hannibal, of Oswald helping Ed become who he's meant to be, and Hannibal helping Will <laughs> become which who he's meant to be. Which is a murderer. Which is a murderer. There's also a moment in the fifth season that parallels the scene in season four when Lee and Ed kill each other, where they like are approaching each other with knives behind their back and Ed and Oswald come up to each other with knives behind their back like they're going to stab each other. But instead they hug. It's real nice. (laughs) It's very nice. There's a big battle at the end of the season where Ed and Oswald end up on the same side as Jim Gordon and the cops and all the people left in the city because this rogue group of the United States government is there to blow them all up. <laughs> so it's a yeah. whole thing. So they're they're in battle against each other and Ed and Oswald are fighting side by side and somebody throws a grenade over the wall and it lands by them and uh, Oswald without even thinking of it jumps on top of Ed to save his life and ends up hurting his eye and that's why he ends up with the monocle later. But Ed is bewildered that Oswald would put his life in danger to save him. But, you know, of course he would. Yeah. Then the end of the show, the last episode jumps forward 10 years because they want to get you to a place where Bruce Wayne, who's a child for most of the show, can be Batman. And in the intervening 10 years, both Ed and Oswald have been locked up, one of them in prison, one of them at Arkham. And Oswald gets released and Ed gets like broken out by unknown people. They come together and get attacked by Batman who like ties them up hanging from a lamppost, you know, back to back, like classic Batman style. And everyone in town is discovering this new Batman vigilante character. And so then their last moment together is they're like, we can't let this weird bat guy take over our city. And then they see him do like a 
you know, feet of daring do or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and and they say to each other, tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow. tomorrow. <laughs> and they, they walk off together into, you know, not the sunset, but whatever, into Basically. their futures as allies. Yeah. So um, they do end up together, even though do. it's not as, as a couple. And as so they say in nice. episode eight, they really are meant for each other. They're soulmates, man. So that's where we are with the canon of the show. Real canon unrequited love that can't be argued (laughs) so what are we doing here what's this conversation all about right so yeah spoiler alert it's canon it's it's some kind of queer (laughs) canon but what exactly it is i think is a a question that's gone back and forth between certainly you know some in the creative part of the show and the fandom and so we can talk about what our actors say. And I think they both have an interesting perspective on, on their individual characters. So we have quotes from both Robin Lord Taylor, who plays the Penguin, and Corey Michael Smith, who plays the Riddler. So, yeah, Robin Lord Taylor, we have a couple of interesting quotes from him. There's one where he's addressing, I guess people will not be surprised to hear that once they made this canonically queer thing happen in the show, a certain segment of comic book fans came at it with the response of why are you messing with canon the way that comic book fans tend to do. So in response to that, Robin Lord Taylor says penguin was raised by penguins and that was apparently fine. And you know, Jack Nicholson, the Joker killing Batman's parents. I haven't really seen a lot of people shitting their pants about that, but you know, when we introduce a queer storyline, it's like, ah, we love you and we love the show, but this really bothers me because you're messing with the character's origins. And I'm like, you're homophobic. That's homophobic. <laughs> That's it. Not parsing words. He's uh, pretty clear yes. on his message there. And it does raise a question. So mm-hmm. I have seen some Batman content prior to this, sure. but I would not say I'm a Batman expert. There's a lot and, of And canon. certainly I'm no, I'm no comic book Batman expert. Right. So we couldn't find any information about how canonically straight the penguin is. Yeah, I mean, I struggle to believe that the penguin is really seeing that much romantic action in the comic books. And if he is, where is the scene where he says, I just want everyone to know that I'm only interested in women, never been interested in a man before. (laughs) Right. How is he canonically straight? Somebody show me the evidence. If someone could send that to us, we would, I mean, we'd take a look at that panel. I'm open (laughs) to it. But they might also want to consider updating the Penguin Wikipedia page because Mm -hmm. under the relationship section on the Penguin's Wikipedia page, just the general Wikipedia page, the only relationships it talks about is his relationship with the Joker, Mm -hmm. who is not a woman. Sounds pretty guys. (laughs) Regardless, obviously, of whether he has canonically said multiple times i'm 100 <laughs> straight only interested in women they could still change it for the show and it would be fine well and yeah robin's point is not just this like penguins been raised by penguins but right. on gotham the show specifically a lot of what they do is play with canon because selena kyle who's catwoman is a kid and friends with bruce wayne in the show and that's not something that ever happened in the comic books they made that up for this gotham's whole thing is its own spin on canon. So right. what makes this any different? But really, if, if anyone knows where in the canon he said, I'm 100% straight, let us know. I have to know. what I want, I want any evidence of Penguin discussing his sexuality <laughs> in the comic books because it sounds fascinating. So 
yeah, in terms of the the reaction, that's where Robin Lord Taylor stands. But we found this even more interesting reaction of his to the concept of queer baiting on Gotham. Apparently, I guess some people did accuse the show of queer baiting because they didn't ever get together, I guess. Unclear. But he said, this is 2017, so I'm assuming around the time of the third season. He said that the queer baiting accusations baffled him. Homophobic backlash he sadly anticipated, but not that. So of course I expect they ruined the show, Taylor says. We had a little of that. But on the other hand, I was not expecting on the progressive side of things, still the same exact insistence on putting people into a definable box, into a box that viewers can also identify with, as opposed to letting an experience happen. My big concern was like, okay, so this is the first time I've heard about any sort of alternative sexuality to Oswald, be it anywhere on the spectrum, even any mention of any sort of romantic interest. I myself am gay, so I knew that this is not going to be a traditional story of someone coming out of the closet. I wanted to be true to what I know and understand of human sexuality, and it's not that you, he snaps his fingers, wake up one day and you're gay. And to say that you're gay means you identify with a group of people. It's a cultural thing. Taylor was determined to keep his character's discovery a romantic yearning need to connect with somebody rather than strictly sexual interest because Oswald's understanding of himself is so limited. It was the Riddler, the first person who showed any respect or understanding or even enjoyment of Oswald's company. Who's to say that if it was Barbara that it couldn't have been her? I wanted to keep that ambiguous because what I understand of my own personal experience being gay, this is something that I've been thinking about my entire life. It's always been part of my life. But Taylor says these two characters are inextricably linked to each other. Even if Nygmabopot shippers should get used to the idea that there's no white picket fence on the horizon. It's a one-sided romance thing, but in season three, episode 15, it's when the Riddler announces himself and he's taking pills and he's having hallucinations and he's hallucinating Oswald. And you can see in those exchanges, not romantically, he didn't have that for Oswald. But there still was a love and respect and a need on his part to, to connect with him. So that covers a lot of things. There's a lot to respond to here. First, I think, is this very interesting, and we'll see this too in the in the Corey Michael Smith quotes, idea of just because Oswald is in love with Ed doesn't necessarily mean he's gay. Right. That's an idea I think that is a shock to some people. He, you know, human sexuality is a wild, undefinable, complex, interesting thing. Yes. Complex. So in, in, at least in Robin Lauren Taylor's mind, and we can imply potentially the writer's minds we'll get into that later it, it you know he, just because he loves ed doesn't mean he's like always been gay and that's his whole thing we've never seen any romance from him before so who knows what's going on he's a guy who has never been accepted by anyone in his whole life he finally has a friend who loves him and said i think ed says he would do anything for oswald like they have this intense bonding at the beginning of the season and it's sort of understandable that he starts to feel things for him that he hadn't felt before. And I think there's like a couple questions. Are his feelings for Ed sexual full right. stop? Is he homo romantic full stop? Is he like, mm-hmm. you know, just demi romantic asexual? Like there's a lot of different. Yeah. And we don't have answers to any of that from yeah. specifically what happens on the show. We have him saying he's in love with Ed and that's it. We don't have him expressing any sexual desire for anyone that we see in the show. Mm-hmm. Not to say that it doesn't exist, but the show doesn't speak to that. And we have him expressing romantic attraction to a person. But obviously that doesn't mean that he couldn't express romantic affection for anyone else. (laughs) Right. 
And I think that gets at a question that we've asked before on the podcast of, is someone stating they're gay or stating they're in love with a, a person of the same gender or sex queer baiting if they don't follow through with an, like an actual kiss or something physical? And what's the line between those two things? And I don't know. Obviously, everything's dependent on circumstances. But in my mind, I don't think it's queer baiting for someone to say this is my identity and then not make out with someone. I, I think characters can have an identity and not consummate it on a show. <laughs> you know, it can just be a part of who they are. And it doesn't necessarily mean I don't need people to make out for me to feel satisfied, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, I think you can still see that as the show not being willing to show a gay couple, right? That's why I'm saying it's context dependent. Right. If, if all the other characters, like if all the straight couples are making out all the time and the gay couples never get to, then yeah, that seems right. like an issue. I think in this case, it's it's interesting that like the maybe he's asexual question looms large in my mind mm-hmm. with Oswald because of how he has always acted and you know maybe he's demisexual and like would love to have sex with ed but that's never made clear all that we know is that he's never been interested in anyone that we've ever seen and then he's interested in this one guy when he becomes his closest friend in the world right so that's all we have to go on and that it's a question in robin lord taylor's mind makes sense to me right because obviously he understands that sexuality isn't just black and white sure Also, a part of this quote that I just think is interesting is him talking about saying you're gay means you identify with a group of people. It's a cultural thing. That's very interesting to me, too, because on like two ends of it, like has Oswald thought about himself and what his sexuality is? It doesn't seem like a thing. He certainly is not someone who's going to pride. Sure. We never saw him attend Gotham's Pride Parade as the mayor. Wouldn't Gotham's Pride Parade be fascinating? <laughs> it's yeah. so glum and dark in Gotham. I want to see. That would have been great. I want to see Gotham's Pride. But then there's there's also the other side of this is like the real life side of it. And a point you raised to me is we've talked about how most of the people doing the fandom are not men. And then we have all of these various gay men who are creating shows or in this case, acting as characters in shows and have this group of of people saying to them like you need to be making this show more gay (laughs) it's the question of i think you know broadly the fans will say we're asking for lgbtq plus Uh representation but it seems to be a a group of not men Mm -hmm. asking gay men for gay male representation yeah and i think there's the potential for that to be strange being yelled at and pressured by someone outside your community for representation of the thing that you are. I feel like that could be difficult. Yeah. It's a little confusing. What are you supposed to do in that situation? Especially when he's delivering queer representation, right? Even if he doesn't say that this character is gay, this character is not straight. And I think other people have made the point around this Gotham conversation that Barbara and Tabitha are canonically queer women. Yep. Yes. And you know, in that case, you also have a person of color in that that ship. And I don't know. I mean, we'll get into who's talking to, to whom fandom to creators in this conversation. But I don't know if what the conversation around those two characters was either. 
And you didn't see it, but in the first season, Barbara also, when she's dating Jim, uh, ends up leaving him to get back with her ex-girlfriend, who's a different cop. So there's like multiple queer things happening. Although the earlier stuff is like a lot more weird and biphobic and like her going to be with the woman is parallel to her getting like she's completely off the rails because she's all with the lady like it's not okay good. not great <laughs> uh, but still right there's more queer representation on this show beyond the potential that these two would be explicitly gay men right yeah there's a lot to think about there because he's definitely saying something very nuanced about this character which often is not responded to well by fans looking for you know specific answers right. <laughs> about what's going on with their characters yeah we're not gay men so we can't right. answer that question of of what that experience of what that's is. like yeah. yeah but just something to think about i guess it is because there's there is an inherent kind of weirdness to that and i don't know people i'm sure process it differently sure but yeah fascinating so okay Corey michael smith he got asked I know you said Nygma doesn't love Cobblepot. And and yes, he's been explicit on the record, always saying Ed is not in love with Oswald. This yeah. is unrequited. Ed is not gay. He does not love Oswald. And like, don't be waiting for that to happen is the is the underlying message he's of it. Like, I know that you're, sh- yeah, I know that you're shipping this, but like, it's not going to happen, <laughs> which I guess seems aggressive to some people. But I also understand it because he does not want to be accused of leading people on. Well, we've talked before about queer baiting is saying, well, it could happen. He's he is not queer baiting anyone. He's ex- he's saying it's not going to happen. <laughs> it couldn't happen. So anyway, I know you said Nygma doesn't love Cobblepot, but what do you think his reaction would have been if Isabella hadn't shown up and Oswald got to confess at the, you know, dinner? And he says, I don't see Os- or Edward as a gay character in our story. Doesn't mean he couldn't be gay in another iteration. And they said, no, but would he have been more accepting than he was after... Because, you know, when he finally learns that Oswald is in love with him, it's colored by the fact that Oswald has murdered Isabella. Yeah, he's so pretty mad about the He Isabella never really thing. gets a chance to just process Oswald's, you know, confession. overwhelmed by rage. So. Right. So, so Corey says, accepting of it? Sure. I don't think he would be bothered by it. He's someone that has always wanted to be adored, appreciated, and liked. And I don't think he could all of a sudden flip and resent someone for giving him what he wanted. I do think one of the interesting things about that clash, and I don't think it actually means that either of those characters are gay. I don't mean to say that Oswald is either. I like the clash that Oswald is someone that's open to loving someone because they understand him and give him a certain kind of attention that he's never had before. And that Edward is maybe just incapable of accepting that either from the same sex or just someone like Oswald, whatever that means, someone like Oswald. But that is another interesting, like, he agrees with Robin seemingly that Oswald's sexuality is not cut and dry. Various things could be going on with him. And it's, I think his read on that relationship is just also interesting. It does give you an insight into what's going on with them. I think both of them have an idea of Oswald situationally being in love with Edward because yes. of the, the way that their relationship has played out and how he's never been close to anyone before. And maybe it could have happened with anyone if they were his best friend. Yes. So that's an interesting reaction. Again, part of what's interesting, and I'm sure we'll get into this later to me about the way that the show is written and all of this plays out is how homophobia doesn't factor into the story in any way. Oswald doesn't have any sort of gay panic about falling in love with Ed Ed doesn't have any, oh, I, 
your I can't believe my guy best friend is in love with me how gross moment that's like yeah. not a part of the story so that is just fascinating to me but we do have also some Corey Michael Smith tweets this is always when you get into to interesting situations fans tweeting at you you tweeting at the fans <laughs> so let's see if he managed to get himself in any trouble we have him saying i'm not saying wait and see if ed and oz end up together romantic love is not reciprocated in that relationship that was the story it was told the story has moved on i'm saying wait and see how ed and lee evolve that's the new relationship i don't know how to be clearer i mean he's being very clear he says i hear you're wanting to be represented i get it but it won't be seen in ed that's not his story wanting it to be is your prerogative but being upset because it isn't won't change that also true mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we have someone i guess who didn't like the terms he'd been using who tweets at him ship equals romantic that's the only thing I'll say. The problem is that you kept feeding the Ding Mobble Pot ship, and now you are saying this. Okay, if this was an OTP friendship, why didn't you say that before? And Corey writes back, slash equals same-sex romantic relationship. Bro-TP equals male friendship. Ship equals relationship, romantic or otherwise. There you go. I love that he's pulling a uh, William Shatner and schooling people on he's their really fandom terminology. really defining his terms. Which is always important in any debate. You gotta debate, define absolutely. You gotta define Yeah. Your so I'm, I find these to be very interesting quotes because he's not he's not really saying offensive queer baby things, but it, it it's certainly not a friendly tone <laughs> to no. the conversation with the fans, which how often do you find a friendly tone on Twitter? So to be fair, right, also the first tweet is clearly in response to something, and we don't mm-hmm. have a sense how much people were tweeting at him about the ship that resulted in him trying to be as firm and clear as possible. That I think we can assume, even though assuming is, you know, not good. I think we can assume this is not the first time someone mentioned it to him and he came back in these strong terms. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's probably true. Yeah. So interesting perspective from Corey and a clear perspective from Corey. Yep. I think we have an equally interesting and clear perspective from Robin, but Maddie, what about our writers and directors, the people really making the decisions? What's their perspective on this situation? Oh, just as interesting. The most interesting perspective I've ever seen. So the creator showrunner of this show is Bruno Heller. And in our research to find him speaking about Ed and Oswald and their relationship and the fact that there's a canonical queer unrequited love happening we found exactly zero quotes. Yes. <laughs> we, we found that not that he never said anything about it, but also that seemingly he was never asked anything about it because there's just nothing. Nada. I mean, uh, that's not to say it doesn't exist. We couldn't find it. As always, sure. if you find it, please send it our way. But we did do a bit of research <laughs> and couldn't find him in particular saying anything about Ed and Oswald's you know, romantically or otherwise. I do have, this is not the most relevant, but I did find it cute and I wanted to say because it gets in the head of the writer's room of the show. There's a writer's room Twitter account, which is interesting. I don't know if I've seen that before for a show. But all the way back in season two, before they even did the canon unrequited love situation, 
people were asking the writers, what scene do you wish would have happened this season? And they said, there was a scene in 212 where Nygma visits Penguin in Arkham and does the hand on the glass bit, <laughs> but we had to cut it. And people were like, oh, we should have seen it. And they were like, we loved the scene. Can't remember why it had to be cut. Time, maybe? But I that gets you like a little in their headspace of they were leaning into the romantic yeah. tropey beats of the of the couple. And then we have a quote kind of related <laughs> from EP John Stevens from about mid-season three, which is, you know, when all this is happening. And he says, from episodes 15 to 22, it's two people out in the open who used to be friends and now want to destroy one another. That war between them, between two people who are best friends, but also at war, plays through the whole season. The thing about it is Corey and Robin both play their characters with such levels of complexity that they can play, I hate you, I'm going to kill you, but you're also my best friend. It's never one note, so you always get that push-pull. I feel like if this show survives years and years, they might be apart, but we have to imagine that situations will bring them back together because they are like souls. At the end of the day, these two have more in common than anyone else on the show. They'll probably find their way back together, and when they get back together, it will be all the more gratifying because they were apart from one another. Which is nice, and I like it, and I they, everybody agrees these two are kind of soulmates, whatever that means. But there's not a word in there about Oswald being in love with Ed, right. <laughs> which feels like a pretty meaningful part. It's just best friends, best friends, best friends, which they are. Yes. But it's an interesting absence. But that's what I got for you. Those are my quotes. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing else from any of the EPs or the writers. It's an interesting situation we're in. Yes. Because why? Why was no one asking them about it? Is this a completely unremarkable situation that we're in? I, it's it's really it's really strange, especially relative to some of right the other ships we've talked about where the fans who are invested in the relationship being explicitly gay or, you know, whatever are really demanding that from the decision makers. And as far as we can tell, maybe no one can get in touch with Bruno Heller. I yeah. Don't he seemingly know. has no Twitter account, so nobody's <laughs> finding him that way. The fans are only asking the actors who are not the people writing the show. Right. So the fans are only asking the actors, and that's maybe because they're the only ones they can get a hold of. But the interviewers aren't asking the writers. The interviewers are interviewing the writers and asking them some stuff. But is there never a point where one of them is like, so I noticed Penguin is canonically in love with Riddler. Thoughts on that? How'd that happen? (laughs) It seems like an interesting choice to make. But it's also right. I imagine the producers sometimes went to the cons or someone who wasn't an actor went to the cons and yeah, no one you would at the think. con asked them. I don't, I don't have a great sense of, I mean, we know this isn't like the biggest fandom. I don't know if it's sort of similar to the Marvel situation where the fandom is more dominated by a, a group of people that's not interested in this. Jim and Lee shippers. Yeah. I was telling you, I was listening to a a contemporaneous Gotham podcast just to see if, Mm -hmm. you know, at the time anyone was like, can you believe it? Or the writers are saying this about XYZ. So this podcast is called Gotham TV Podcast. And it's hosted by two guys. And the season three, episode five, I listened to their podcast episode and they were just like, oh, there's some Nick Pot stuff going on. That's 
pretty interesting. Interesting to see that put into the show. Okay. <laughs> and they just moved <laughs> on. Completely unremarkable. They were just like, huh, great. Okay. Other thing that happened in this episode with, you know, yeah. him. Or whatever. And it seems like that was the the prevailing reaction of people who were commenting on the show in public. Because what in the world? How does something like this happen? Right. And no one says anything about it. It's it's just so different from the other things that we've covered. And even not being able to find, you know, more general quotes from some of the other producers like I'm thinking even about the Star Trek episode we had a ton of we had multiple quotes from Roddenberry yeah in the like 60s 70s 80s (laughs) about this intense relationship between these two male characters and what did it mean I don't know what part of Gotham they're really digging into but not I have no idea it feels like it's something that I've never seen before in a comic book thing certainly it's I don't know it, how is it not remarkable? <laughs> just, I don't know. People only want to talk about non-canon ships, apparently. Yeah, so we don't know if a portion of the shipping audience was satisfied by the canon queerness of it and didn't feel the need to push for more. I think, you know, you and I were both satisfied with their arc and felt it made sense. And it was just a Oh, yeah, really I think it's a sad tale of unrequited love. It's a great story. It's sad, but... It all makes sense. You're understanding how each of them are feeling. And it's a real bummer because unrequited love is sad. But it's also nice that, you know, they both do care about each other clearly and are able to move past it in later seasons and be friends again. Like, I love the story. I think it's really well done. I just am a little baffled (laughs) at the lack of conversation about it. We can say, like, maybe fans were satisfied with it. But some of the fans took their complaints to Corey Michael Smith on Twitter. <laughs> so, and, and like clearly Robin heard complaints too, since he felt like he had to respond to the queer baiting allegations. So it's not like that sentiment didn't exist. It's just the writers and producers didn't respond to it. The actors did. It's just strange. We don't quite know what, what it, it's just strange. <laughs> I don't know. It's a mystery, but We should talk about AO3, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about the fix. How popular is the ship? As we said, it's not the most popular thing in the world. They don't show up on our AO3 ship stats, either the all-time list or, I mean, we didn't go back and look at lists from like 2017 or whenever this was happening. But there are about 4,200 Ed and Oswald stories out of about 10,000 in the Gotham tag. So not nothing, but not big enough to be one of the the big fandoms. This is an interesting case. We found ourselves in a, was it Hannibal? A Hannibal situation? Uh, Hannibal once again. Interesting. These ships are exactly the same. (laughs) Hannibal and Ed and Oswald. The most popular, or I guess the most kudos fic of all the Ed and Oswald fic is 132,000 words. It's a longie called When You Find It, Run by Iris Bluefic. Love your yeah. name, Iris. We didn't read that one. I assume it's great, but we just didn't have the time. So the next fic after that is a nice short little one called Flowers Grow Out of My Grave, 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 which I have to assume is a song lyric, by Calico Kitten. What's the flavor of the fic? So 
this is a bit, I guess, of a, a fix-it fic, where it's really revolving around that confession of love from Oswald mm-hmm. to Ed, but Ed reciprocates. Yeah, after some some back and forth, he does still, like, get with Isabella, and then it's, it's a fix-it fic. They also took beats from the show and rearranged them so that they were about Ed and Oswald instead of about the characters that they actually happened to. Mm. So there's a scene in the show where this hypnotist guy makes Jim choose between his ex and his current girlfriend. And he picks his current girlfriend, assuming that that means his current girlfriend will be killed instead of his ex, you know, that sort of situation. But they make that happen to Ed and Oswald and Ed picks Oswald to save instead of Isabella. And Oswald is shocked. And Ed's like, I told you I'd do anything for you. But, you know, they get back together. Interestingly, in that one, Gobblepot is also canon. When Oswald first finds out that Ed, is, you know, has met someone new to take out his frustration, he heads over to Jim's house and they fuck. Yeah, and the implications, they've been casually fucking for a while. Yeah. So you're like, okay, well, I guess that's happening. It is interesting because when we were outlining this episode, I had the question because I didn't watch season one of was the transition from Gobblepot to Nickmobblepot rocky? Was there any, you know, turf wars in the fandom over Gobblepot or Nickmobblepot? And we couldn't really find that. But this fic is like a transition because at the end of the fic as well, Ed is as with Oswald and Jim is looking at them and, and, and Ed kind of grabs Oswald's arm. He and like stakes like, his claim. Yeah. He's yeah. like, Nick Mobblepot now. <laughs> no more Gobblepot. Gobblepot is out. Nick Mobblepot is in. So yeah, that was the vibe. It was very short and a lot happened. It's just sort of was the beats of, yeah. of, them working it those two crazy kids working it out you know so that's the thick i guess where i find myself at the end of this conversation is just the mystery of it all (laughs) the the, how interesting this is like a unicorn of a situation right we have not come across anything like this where it's specifically canon i mean not required i guess people have their own opinions about whether or not that makes it gay enough i don't know but a specific like a queer canon situation and almost no one's talking about it 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 feels remarkable and yet remarks are not happening yeah (laughs) so i got a little bit of homophobic backlash a little bit of queer baiting backlash but no statement from the authors about you know we Wanted Here's to do this why we decided to reason. do this. But we really feel this way about Oswald's character. No clarification on their end about whether or not they think Oswald is gay or demi or queer. Or it's just this one specific case or he is or isn't capable of love. Like, we have the text. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so how did this happen, I guess, is my real question. What are your theories? You mean, why did the the writers decide to do this? Well, no. I mean, sure. But is it like, I I guess the the prevailing theory of it for us has just been, is it that once something is canon, people are no longer interested? (laughs) Like, why did they not get asked about it? Why have they not been forced to answer for themselves (laughs) the way that everyone else is? As soon as it's in the show, everybody's like, oh, yeah, well, it's in the show. So who really cares? The other thing, right, is I couldn't tell from watching the show because we didn't really dig into 
Well, we couldn't find any interviews with Bruno Heller, much less about this. So we don't know if the writers were being asked a ton of questions about Bruce Wayne and the dominant line of questioning from journalists was like, what's going to happen with Bruce Wayne? Or what? <laughs> Are he and Selena going to end up together? Is he going to be Batman? Yeah, is he going to be Batman was the main question. So I'm not sure if people were just dist- like there didn't seem to be anything else in the show that was too controversial that it would be the dominant line of questioning. My main question is, how come they never called the Joker the Joker? Maybe all the journalists were asking that question. <laughs> Unclear. I don't know. I don't know. We don't know if it's just that the the EP doesn't have Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, but just because you don't have Twitter doesn't mean that no one ever talks to you. I mean, is he the freaking Wizard of Oz? Like, (laughs) I don't understand. How does no one ask? He does get interviewed. Interviewers ask questions. Uh, Usually people can't stay away from the draw of anything not straight. I mean, who's not fucking fascinated by that for whatever, whether or not you're offended by it or excited, you know? Like, it's shocking to me that nobody... (laughs) maybe maybe bruno heller is just you know real powerful and we don't realize that he screens all the questions and he's like i will only answer these generic questions about whether bruce wayne becomes batman (laughs) i only want to give every interview about whether or not bruce wayne in this universe will become batman yeah i don't know I, i mean i guess we find ourselves in a not dissimilar place to last week where the end result is, I don't know. It's a mystery. It is. It's interesting though. And I have to say like, this is not really a queer baiting thing. I'm just refreshed by the storytelling. Like I, I really found it nice to see a story with a not straight thing happening where that was not at all part of the story. Like that wasn't, an issue nobody cared (laughs) that it was queer and it was not the same story you've always seen a million times there's no coming out i hate coming out stories at this point it just like it is what it is oh i'm in love with my friend i should tell him oh i didn't get to tell him oh he doesn't love me oh it's sad like (laughs) it was a you know i just i liked it i liked it and for it to be really the first canon comic book you know queer thing i've seen i mean i can't say that i'm sure there are queer comic book things that exist but like this specific we ship these male friends and apparently we were right to ship these male friends (laughs) at (laughs) least on oswald's side thing and then it just plays to to no fanfare completely under the radar (laughs) i think this is a lesson for showrunners everywhere make a canon and no one will care (laughs) Or tell the story you want to tell and don't be on Twitter and control your that interview too. questions. Be Whatever. Bruno Heller and make it so that no one can even find you. No one knows what he looks like. He lives in complete secrecy. <laughs> one of those two things are your options. Or both uh-huh. in this case. Yeah. Absolute mystery. So uh, is it queer baiting, queer coding, or queer canon, Maddie? It's queer canon, baby. It is. It isn't quite defined, but it's not straight. Yep. That's all it takes to be queer. <laughs> Not straight. And uh, if we gender swap them, would they be together? I don't know. I say no. If you're telling an unrequited love yeah. story, it's an unrequited love story. I don't think their gender is what's keeping them apart. 
I mean, I guess, except in the sense that Ed is straight, right? So I guess that's kind of keeping them apart. But if it would be the same situation if it were like a guy in love with his gay female best friend. It would still be this tragic, unrequited love story. And honestly, for Gotham, that plays out better than them being like, yes, we're in love. Yeah, because what the hell is a happy ending? These two are at their best when they're friends and then trying to kill each other and then friends and then trying to kill each other. That's their best possible dynamic. We need them hugging while holding knives. Yes. You can't just have hugging. I come back to that interesting quote from Corey Michael Smith about how he likes the tension between Oswald being the type of person who can fall in love with someone and Ed being the type of person who either can't fall in love with a man or can't fall in love with someone like Oswald. Right. (laughs) Whatever that means. And we did see some interesting commentary around the idea of like people shouldn't be celebrating the canon nature of this queer relationship to whatever extent it was because they're they're villains villains and they shouldn't be happy. And I think to that point, no one really has a functional relationship in this show outside of the father-son relationship of Alfred and Bruce Wayne. Alfred and Bruce are father-son goals. But outside of that... Yeah, no, it's it's a show about... Gotham. Gotham's fucked up. The point is that everything is dark and twisted and everybody's a villain. But it's one of those shows where we like the villains. The villains are some of our favorite characters, right? We're spending most of our time with them. We're certainly not only rooting for Jim Gordon in this show. (laughs) Like Sometimes you get on board with what the villains are up to. Like I loved in the early seasons watching Oswald rise through the ranks of crime and take down the other crime bosses and stuff. Like you get on board with the villains. And if I'm rooting for him, why can't I be, you know, why can't he have an interesting romantic life? I mean, sure. I don't understand why villains aren't allowed to be gay. I mean, I agree that villains shouldn't just be queer coded so they seem like villains, but I really don't (laughs) think that's what's happening here. Uh, but just why they didn't tell a happy fun time romance. It's because nothing is a happy fun time. It's Gotham, man. Yeah. Even it's Alfred Gotham. and Bruce's relationship isn't always a happy fun time. It does have some darkness. Yeah. It's true. But at the end of the day, they really love each other so much. <laughs> Alfred loves Bruce so much. Oh, there's some sweet Alfred Bruce moments. I love them. Yeah. Well, that's a different discussion for another day in our podcast about functional father-son relationships in fiction. <laughs> well, we're starting a new podcast about father-son relationships. Oh, okay. Well, I think this was a good one. I enjoyed this. Anyway, honestly, thank you for suggesting Gotham to us. I had a great time watching it, and yeah. I probably would not have watched it otherwise. I remember when it came on back in the day i think i watched an episode or two just because i love donald logue we didn't even talk about donald logue (laughs) but i love donald logue and uh, you know i didn't stick with it but now now i'm glad i watched so the whole thing yeah and it it was an interesting case study for sure yeah all right i mean does kelsey want to read fan fiction now my usual not particularly although i'd be curious to know like we couldn't quite figure out what the 132,000 word fic was about. Um, yeah, I was confused because the description of it makes it seem like they're already together. Like, yeah. it's them, you know, can, talking about how much they love each other or something. So it's like, 
well, then what? <laughs> like, if that's where we're starting the fic, I wonder what happens. Yeah. So I'd be, I'm, I'm a little curious to, to think through if it's sort of similar to, in some ways, our discussion around the comedy relationships where there already is so much confession of love that all that's left is for them to actually just be fucking. Yeah, but 132,000 words of it? I don't know. I don't know about that one. But in terms of <laughs> what the rest of those 4,000 fics are, like, yeah, like a survey of them could be interesting i scrolled through and looked at some so there's a kid that oswald ends up getting really close to because there's a character who's trying to ingratiate herself with him and she opens this orphanage and brings him in to meet the kids at the orphanage and he really emotionally connects with one of the orphans who is mute and writes all of his stuff down and he takes him under his wing he gets really close to the kid she ends up trying to use the kid against him because he cares about him uh, Oswald pretends to blow the kid up. It's kind of awesome. <laughs> so that because okay. because he's like, you think that I won't, you know, let him get hurt? I'll blow him up myself. And uh, then they hide the kid away and he comes back, whatever. So anyway, I saw some fics that are about him being Martine's dad, like actually keeping the kid oh. and adopting him. And then the two of them can raise the kid together or whatever. Well, that's nice. So that's a fun idea. But yeah, other than that, I don't know what's going on in the, I guess they're they're doing crimes and stuff. I'm sure there are plenty of fic that are just Edward realizing the error of his ways and confessing that he loves right. Oswald. So what are we talking about next week? We got another listener request. We're excited again. Uh, another yeah. chip brought to our attention, which looks like it's going to be fascinating. Oh, I'm I'm psyched. It is the 1970s cop procedural Starsky and Hutch. Woo woo. <laughs> Get excited, people. Starsky and Hutch. I know that you hear 1970s and think, you know, how gay can it be? Seems like pretty gay, people. I'm pretty psyched about this. We've seen, you know, some interesting stuff coming out of the actors. So, yeah. And I will say, I don't know that I would have picked up on this, but in the the zine book i read for the star trek episode the boldly writing book when they start talking about the zines diversifying starsky and hutch does come up multiple times mm-hmm. as does the man from uncle so we might also at some point have to look into into the that. man from uncle all right i'm open to it in the meantime if you want to ask us questions you have comments you have concerns you want to send us evidence that penguin is canonically straight in the comic books Please Please do email us at ltbkpod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Tumblr at ltbkpod. If you're enjoying the podcast, do tell a friend. And new episodes of the pod come out every other Friday at 6 o'clock Eastern, wherever you get your podcasts. Bye.